still in the passing with Big John. Um, I'm thinking about changing up the format, or at least the name of this YouTube and uh, podcast. Probably first of the year. But I started a, uh, a Rumble page. Uh, it's a, it's America. It's all one word. Americana, the American way. Um, on the um, Anchor and YouTube platforms, it's still. Panic Attack is Big John. Uh, Facebook is Big John's Conservative Op-Ed page. And what other stuff? Uh, I'm going to start using Parler more than Twitter. But on Parler, it's the real Big John, all one word. On Twitter, it's the real underscore Big John. So, I'm going to turn off the shred use it for the time being. We'll come back to her in a minute. So, we have the Thanksgiving holiday coming up. And uh, this year more than ever, it seems like it's going to be Christmas part one instead of um, Thanksgiving. Uh, and people cr- critique, criticized that a few years ago. I remember Walmart decided to be open on Thanksgiving. Uh, this year they will not be, from what I understand. Uh, just to give everyone a break from the pandemic craziness, I reckon. Uh, but this is... um trying times for America. Don't know when this election will ever end. Uh, some of you think it has already. Some think it's going, still going on. Uh, I know there, the, um, Trump team has multiple lawsuits out there. Uh, some are going forward. Others have been thrown out of court. Um, one judge in Pennsylvania said uh, something to the nature of if you were going to ask for 600,000 votes to be thrown out, you would uh, come with more uh, evidence and compelling arguments than hearsay and secondhand stories uh that that really didn't look good um but i'll I'll say this um the conservative outlets uh the tim crowd or the stephen crowders the uh brandon tatum's brandon tatum stephen crowder tim pool they're reporting both sides uh I found that uh, story about the judge that kicked the uh, 
Pennsylvania case out or of his court um, on Steven Crowder's Facebook feed. So that was a pretty big ouchie for the Trump team. Um, the mainstream media has taken to calling Joe Biden president-elect. Uh, and I, today I clicked on a, I went for a clickbait, but it looked interesting. But the thing that caught my eye at first was um, someone had made up, it's like a, it's more of a meme in my opinion, but it was meant to look like an official presidential logo. And uh, it said Office of the President-Elect uh, on it. Uh, some conservatives have taken to mocking that by changing their Twitter username to President-Elect So-and-So. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but some conservatives are trying to new site called rumble.com I guess you can monetize it and do everything you can share it on uh, you can use it to share your videos on other platforms but I'm just going to use rumble.com uh, or the it's a rumble app also and on there it's Americana the American way one word and uh <coughs> I hope on January 20th, I'm not saying goodbye, America. It was nice knowing you. I have a feeling I will be. Let's look and see who Joseph R. Biden is going to put in his cabinet. Reminds me. I saw it, 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 there's a movie out, or was a movie out in the 90s, uh, about a woman named Erin Brockovich, and she's a real person, and she took on uh, some pretty powerful chemical companies uh, and their legal teams to prove that they were uh, poisoning the environment, and she reported, did an article, an op-ed, uh, that Biden has selected for his environmental team uh, a person who works for DuPont Chemical uh, and DuPont has a lot of chemicals but there's one in particular that she mentioned in the article uh, and you can google Aaron Brockovich and find a lot of things she's written and done since uh, the movie it was starring Julia Roberts as Aaron Brockovich and uh, but it, basically, she's saying that boy, there was hope for this new president, but seems like he's doing the same thing that the rest of them have done, putting uh, chemical and uh, you know oil executives so on in uh, big places. Um, I saw today in the news too that uh, General Motors have dropped their. Uh, lawsuit somehow this was blamed on Trump but uh, 
because Trump's not going to be there to help them fight for or fight California's emission standards. They're dropping their lawsuit uh, against California. Shell Oil is uh, doing things to get ready for a zero carbon future. Um, You need something? Alright. I have a house guest. And I'm trying to quietly podcast. Uh, well, the article is Biden names diplomatic chiefs aiming to convey momentum and avoid fights. Uh, today, the uh, general service agency or something like that announced they're going to loosen up the restrictions they've had on uh, the Biden transition team. But uh, President-elect Joe Biden, this article from the Washington Post reads, announced a diverse set of nominees for top diplomatic and foreign policy posts Monday. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Already. Um... Biden's choices include John F. Kerry in a new climate ambassador post. (laughs) Uh, Reflected his comfort with international affairs and intent to signal to the international community that a transfer of power moving forward, President Trump refuses to accept his loss at the ballot box. Uh... And it goes on to say, Anthony Blinken, his last name is spelled B-L-I-N-K-E-N, Blinken, whom Biden has selected as Secretary of State, never heard of him, uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, Mayorkas, M-A-Y-O-R-K-A-S, the Cuban-born Homeland Security designee and Avril Haines tapped as Director of National Intelligence all have lent the experience in the agencies they will now lead. Separately, Biden is expected to name former Federal Reserve Chair Janet Yellen as his Treasury Secretary According to people, three people in close contact with aides to Biden, they, they always have pretty vague sources for their, uh, what do you call it, their sources, vague references to their sources. Three people that know somebody that heard something that saw someone said, Republican senators had strongly signaled they would oppose former National Security Advisor Susan Rice as Secretary of State, for example, and Susan and Elizabeth Warren, Democrat Massachusetts, a favorite of liberals for sec, Treasury Secretary, would have to face forceful resistance. 
um, as he appoints these people, the Senate has to confirm them. So it's looking like it's going to be a Republican Senate, uh, although all Republicans need to report to the state of Georgia for these runoff elections in January. We got to win those two seats. I want both of them, not one. I want both. They're both good senators, uh, but uh, Andrew Yang and other liberals have signaled the alarm for all Democrats to come to Georgia. Um, a friend of mine posted a video of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez giving one of her rambling speeches in Congress in an empty room, but still wearing a mask um, while she was speaking. That's virtue signaling, in my opinion. But anyways, she uh, said in my friend's post, she said, George, I hope you're listening to this. Whatever. Um, the selections seek to tell allies that the United States is back as an international partner. <laughs> Has there been any better international partner than Donald Trump? He's the first president I know to have a peace committee that's actively pursued peace. North and South Korea, well, North Korea and basically everyone in that region, uh, you know, Israel and multiple other countries. Oh, well. Even as Trump takes action such as aiding sanctions on Iran during the final, his final stretch in office, according to this article anyways, and they also seek to provide reassurance to the country's demoralized diplomatic corps. Well, yeah, you know, they have been demoralized because they can't buy, cheat, and steal to line their pockets anymore. So, um, this was written Monday. Today is actually Tuesday. Uh, the president-elect plans to formally introduce the officials Tuesday at an event at the Queen, a Wilmington theater, Wilmington, Vermont, that was a venue for a number of Biden's campaign events uh, and became provisional headquarters. Unlike Trump, who favored outsiders, or Barack Obama, who often turned up and coming political stars, Biden's nominations are so far heavy on technocrats known more for competence than sparkle. That's interesting. They are all Washington insiders, though. It's a kind of bread-and-butter approach to governing, Leon Panetta said, former secretary of CIA. Now, One good thing Panetta did when he was Secretary of CIA was convince Obama to go in and after uh, bin Laden. He, Panetta was the, the key behind that uh, bin Laden raid. And he, uh, Biden was actually against it. But oh, he, Panetta was able to convince Obama to go forward with it. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, but anyways, Panetta endorses what Biden's doing. That's no surprise.
Other high profile choices announced Monday were Jake Sullivan, a Biden advisor who became national, will become national security advisor. Linda Thomas Greenfield, field, pardon me, Greenfield, a longtime diplomat tapped to represent the United States at the United Nations. In contrast to such figures, Trump's first Secretary of State was Rex Tillerson, a corporate executive with no government experience, and first National Security Advisor was Michael Flynn, a fiery retired general who who led lock her up chants against Hillary Clinton at the Republican convention. It's the difference between a president who has basically rolled the dice on appointees because he had no experience in government, had few friends, and and kind of operated as a gut instinct, and a president who knows the people he's appointing and has had experience with them, Panetta said. Um... You know, I can see that. I mean, these aren't the joke people I saw. I saw one where it had, like, Ilhan Omar uh, as, I don't know what office, but uh, it had uh, Rashida Tlaib as head of the Justice Department, or Department of Justice, pardon me. Uh, And, you know, I saw it in Rashida Tlaib's tweet, and she was like, oh, yeah, I'd like to... You know, have that job so I can go after Barr and this and that. You know, so many of these Democrats have political vendettas and grudges up their sleeves. It's kind of sickening. You know, they want to prosecute uh, and put uh, 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 an enemies list out there for people that helped and supported Trump. A, lo- a lot of bit ridiculous. Um... So, another Washington Post article, Biden's nominees have pushed policies that Trump used to fuel his rise. President-elect Joe Biden, this is the one that, um, I guess the office of the president-elect is something uh, Biden and his bunch made up. It does have the presidential seal type thing at the top, and I'll use it for the thumbnail to this. So you guys can see it. But uh, he's taken to creating his own logo and calling it Office of the President-Elect. That's pretty funny. Uh, Right now, as it stands, I mean, some places in Michigan are not certified. And it's going to the state legislatures to certify it. uh, Certify the election results, pardon me. Uh, And... Constitutionally, if they don't certify those election results, they can send their own set of electors to Congress to vote. And then Congress uh, can pick and choose what set of electors, I think. I'm not positive how that would go. Or the state delegations can choose uh, the next president. We still have those options on the table, but they're... Uh, running thin, and I have a, a sad feeling. And I have since the uh, Tuesday or Wednesday after the election that uh, this was going to go 
the way of Biden. Um, it's going to be very hard to overturn those votes, especially in places like uh, Georgia. Yeah, they recounted and they found over 6,000 votes last I checked, uh, or over 5,000 votes for Trump in this recount. They found, you know, uh, memory cards and voting cartridges. Oops, what, we just left this laying in the corner of the Board of Elections office. I'll be damned, you know. Um, so Biden's top picks announced Monday in the past helped him push for trade deals, which none of them helped the United States, aimed to sign international treaties and advocated for foreign wars. You know, that's one thing Trump's, he's not gotten credit for anything in the media, but he's very, very much not gotten credit for keeping us out of foreign conflicts. Um, and we're going to get in a war. No doubt in my mind. In the first few years of the Biden presidency, we're going to get in war. I just want to point something out. When it comes to you know foreign policy and things, Trump has sought peace. Why he gets no cred for that? Now, the North Korea stuff, he did get uh, media coverage over, but a lot of it in the mainstream media was negative. Why are you making peace with a, a long-time enemy? What's wrong with peace? Uh, the Clintons were very diplomatic with North Korea. And I can remember Hillary uh, cr criticizing Bush for he and Cheney taking a hard stance on North Korea. That was when Kim Jong-il was still alive. Um, now, Kim Jong-un is in there. He's supposedly crazier than his dad, Kim Jong-il. And yet Trump was able to make peace with him. They stopped, you know, for a while, the last year or two of Obama, they were regularly firing missiles from North Korea towards Japan, uh, an American ally. And this is just incredible. Um, we're going to have a president that has people in there that have pushed for war in the past. Uh, and we have a president who's pushed for wars in the past. The thing people liked about Trump was that he was a Washington outsider. Now, let's see here. Let's see how many votes Biden's gotten. Last count. He was supposedly close to 80 million votes. Let's search this real quick. 
I don't want to spend too much time talking about the the Biden vote count um, and the election because that's just beaten to death. Um, U.S. election results, so... NPR decided to report something. Georgia recount shows Biden still ahead, according to NPR. Let's see here. Almost no Trump voters consider Biden the legitimate president in 2020 election winner. Polls say yeah, they finally got an accurate poll. Uh, Politico is reporting that Michigan certifies Biden's win as Trump efforts to challenge election slip. Uh, election MSN reporting that uh, Michigan has certified Biden the winner. No, not what I wanted to. Bang, you suck. You're forcing me to use Google. You know, uh, like I was saying a few years ago, Thanksgiving suddenly became a religious holiday. And, you know, saying that Biden is approaching, um, approaching 80 million votes and historic victory. Uh, actually, Trump has also got over 70 million votes. No one wants to report that. And he's not, he's far behind, but in the uh, total number of votes, like 4 million, and he's far behind in the Electoral College too. But, um, Let's see here. Biden's popular vote lead over Trump stretches to more than 6 million. The reason for the Electoral College is so that small states don't get completely overlooked by the president. You know, if you went to just a popular vote, 50 plus 1, 50% plus 1, you would have New York... California dominate everything. All of our national policy would be nominated by those two liberal liberal hellholes. So that's why you have an electoral college, people. Uh, so as of four days ago, Biden was at 79,823,827 votes. Um, for a guy that's going to serve a year or two and then be out. Um, President Biden, or President Trump, pardon me, President Trump got 73,786,905 votes. That's a record. Um, so, 
it's been a record-breaking election. They said it would be. It's, what, close to 150 million voters? Give or take, over, under, however you want to look at it. But, uh, you know, you got to look at this as we're living history. Uh, for one thing, okay, so no candidates have ever gotten this many votes period, point blank. No president has ever gotten this many votes. Um, 79 million and change. Close to 80. He'll probably pass. Eh. How many votes are out there left to count? Why are they calling the election then? I mean, but anyways, um, I'll wrap this up and talk about some other stuff in a in a momentary. Pilgrims 
their first year in the new world. Uh, and they were joined by Native Americans uh, at that celebration. Uh, now history is fighting over whether or not they were invited to the celebration or they just heard these Puritans uh, having a, a wild party which they weren't known for and decided to come over and see what was going on uh, and then the Puritans let them stay. But whatever the, the story is, uh, it always chaps my ass that Because, like, the, uh, the time that the Americans, the Europeans, gave blankets with smallpox to the Native Americans, people didn't understand viruses back then and germs. I mean, you know, things like bloodletting were still a Original songs coming out thing. each month, starting with After Insanity, which is... And you know, they didn't understand stuff. I'm not saying that these blankets were bloodied, but they didn't know that if I cover myself up with a blanket that has a virus on it, that virus will be transmitted to the next person who covers up with the blanket. Uh, there's been documentation. I, I was listening to this on Joe Rogan, and he found articles where they you know, basically said, well, let's give these, these Native Americans, Indians, whatever, uh, blankets to keep warm, <laughs> not to kill them. Uh, and that story makes a lot more sense. Uh, and, and the Thanksgiving was Thanksgiving to God as much as it was Thanksgiving to the Native Americans, like we were taught in schools. But the the Native Americans in that region did help the settlers. I mean, that's historically documented. Uh, you know, Squanto and uh, whatever their other names were, Pocahontas. Um, you know, uh, they did help our forefathers, teach them how to live off the land and different things. Uh, some of the viral thing, illnesses that killed a lot of Native Americans happened because they're just like this virus is going on now. Uh, immune systems hadn't had time to build up tolerance to it. So their immune systems have never seen things like smallpox. I'm uh, probably Native Americans back in. 1500, 1600, 
transition to it. That's when there's a lot of environmental viruses, not intentional technology. How the hell would you know, the 1700s, or whenever the smallpox blanket incident happened, 1800s, they didn't know how to lace a blanket with a virus. Hell, most people don't know how to do it now. Alright? No, nobody knows how to do it now. Okay? <laughs> um, so the sort of things that liberals will come up with to degrade Americana and American history. This blows my mind. But another tradition. has been this thing called Survivor Series, WWF Survivor Series. Started out, I think, in 1987 or 88 uh, in Richfield, Ohio. The Richfield Coliseum, where the Cleveland Cavaliers actually played their games for a long time. They didn't play in Cleveland, they played in one of the suburbs, Richfield. And uh, World Wrestling Federation had an event there. Well, in 1990, the World Wrestling Federation debuted a new character. Uh, and for 30 years, the Undertaker character has been like the staple of WWF and WWE. Uh, he's the one in the locker room that everyone answers to. Uh, Vince McMahon even has to answer to him sometimes. And so Undertaker had his retirement ceremony. And it was, you know, quite the emotional thing for some of us. Um uh, Mine said, you know, uh, as the Survivor Series for this year was winding down, I was like, oh dude, I forgot the Undertaker hasn't had his retirement ceremony yet. I wonder what it's gonna be like. And my friend texted me back. Yeah, I'm going to be emotional, that's why that's the time when I'm going to get quiet. I mean, he wasn't going to text and answer texts and look at texts. So, we uh, have a long-standing tradition, him and I, of trying to pick the, the winners of the wrestling matches at these uh, big events. And he beat me this year 5-1. to one. But... The celebration of The Undertaker going out. I remember him and I sitting in the room right over there in my house. And there was this surprise character going to come out. And for weeks the WWE had been pushing this character called, or this big egg. And Mark Callis, Mark Calloway, Callis, Calloway, thought he was going to be the, uh, the egg man, and they were going to ask him to shave his head, and instead they asked him to grow his hair out, and you're going to be the Undertaker, Vince McMahon told him, and I think when Vince called him on the phone, he said, hey, Undertaker, and he, um, Calvary said he was surprised by that, uh, because he wasn't expecting it.
he totally thought he was going to be the Eggman and come out of this big egg at Survivor Series. And instead, uh, a big, stupid turkey costume guy <laughs> came out of the egg and, oh my God, it's the gobbly gooker. Well, thank God the Undertaker character much outlasted the gobbly gooker. And Undertaker went from being a walking zombie to being, quote, the bad American badass Undertaker. Uh, people say that was like a low point in Undertaker's career, but really it was a rejuvenation of the character. I mean, people weren't going to buy this walking dead man thing anymore. And eventually he transitioned back into the walking dead man. And they played it up on TV as uh, some, you know, they broke kayfabe and said, you know, some wrestlers, they they live their, their character. They think they are the character they are on TV. And uh, The Undertaker's gone too far. He thinks he's really this, you know, demonic character. And he would come to the ring with uh, disciples like, and druids and all this stuff and uh, there was kind of a semi-crucifixion of the daughter of the WWE's owner Stephanie McMahon was put on they had a big Undertaker logo but you I kind of got the impression it was going to be a, like a crucifixion they put her on this big thing strapped her arms back tied her feet down and Undertaker was going to crucify her. And then Vince McMahon revealed himself as the uh, the person behind all of it. But then that was the transition from American Badass back into the Dead Man uh, character. And, you know only one person could have pulled that off and you know Mark Calloway did that for you know 30 years he stayed away from the public eye even when he was the American badass uh, they used to hide him in an ambulance and drive him in and out of Madison Square Garden until fans caught on that he was the one in this mysterious ambulance that went in and out you know, right before his match and right after. Uh, and then slowly he's, you know, become just a, another, you know, guy in wrestling. But the uh, Mark Calloway side of him has come out more over the last few years. And even People Magazine this week had an article, uh, The Family Man Behind the Dead Man Character. Uh, and he's got a gorgeous, hot wife, Michelle McCool. Um, but I'm not going to go there because I'll get myself into a lot of trouble. Uh, but that was one of the, the highlights of our Thanksgivings uh, in my house was, uh, you, well, the first one was held on Thanksgiving night, I think. But after that, we, me and my friend Aaron... Uh, sometimes his sister Kelly and sometimes other people would gather around the 19-inch, the big box TV, not a flat screen that hung on the wall, uh, 
uh, not high definition either, but we would gather around the TV and watch Survivor Series. And, you know, Undertaker was part of most of those, but was the first one in 1990 that everyone remembers because you didn't know what uh, this Ted DiBiase character had dug up, no pun intended, and out comes this walking zombie. And you're like, whoa, that guy looks dead, you know? And he had these great moves, great athleticism for, <coughs> for anybody, but especially a six foot eight or six foot ten, 300 pound guy. And, you know, for a while, you know, he was going to kill Hulkamania. There was a special wrestling show Tuesday in Texas. Where, uh, I think it was af Tuesday after Survivor Series, actually. Uh, Undertaker was going to finish off Hulk Hogan. I think he already beat Hulk for the belt. And then Hulk might have won it back on Tuesday in Texas. I don't know. Go to the WWE Network and look at it for yourself. Um, but, you know, he had some great runs, great feuds. Um, he had multiple um, finishing moves, as they call them. One was a tombstone pile driver, and then another one was the choke slam they called the last ride. Um, and he he was the WWE for the last thirty years. I mean, if there was a thirty year long face of that company to real uh, die hard wrestling fans. It was The Undertaker. So, th this is like the ending of an era for us in WWE fans, us WWE fans. Um, and I really appreciate what Mark Calloway did for the business, The Undertaker did for wrestling, did for me as a fan. Uh, you know, there's a good Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast called. Uh, Broken Skull Sessions. They did a special one uh, this last Sunday. Uh, he talked about the famous Hell in a Cell with him and Mick Foley. And he revealed that um, there's a, a spot where he picks Mick Foley up for a choke slam and Foley goes through the cage roof. And that wasn't planned. And he... Taker reveals what the plan was and that during the match they could feel the cage roof breaking beneath them and there was this one part that was supposed to be gimmicked to break halfway and instead it totally gave way and he says that for some reason he he could feel the the gimmick part of the cage breaking more than it should have. And he decided to step back on one of the crossbars, which was a more solid part of the cage. So when he choked slam McFoley, Foley went through the cage and all the way to the wrestling mat. Well, really, they were supposed to, that section of cage was supposed to break halfway and then they were going to fight their way down to the ring.
and instead Foley landed straight on the ring. And Taker said that if he would have been standing on that part of the gimmicked cage, that he would have landed on Mick Foley and Mick Foley would have been dead. They thought he was dead at the time. No bullshit. Not talking as a wrestling fan or wrestling mark. A lot of people thought that he had been fatally hurt at that point. Uh, even Taker himself, he was wrestling on a broken ankle that night. And as he... After he saw the cage break, he jumped down from the top of the cage into the ring, and you see him wince in pain. He already had a broken ankle. Uh, I thought his ankle broke when he jumped down from the top of the cage into the ring. And then there's a famous thing from Mick Foley where he tells the story that uh, he uh, Taker asked Terry Funk is he still alive and Funk says yeah and then at that point the Undertaker grabs Terry Funk by the throat and gives him the choke slam the last ride and Funk's shoe comes off and uh when Mick Foley starts to come to, he looks over and thinks to himself, whose shoe is that? Because <laughs> the Taker chokeslammed uh, good old Terry Funk out of his shoes. But man, what a 30-year run for The Undertaker. Um, maybe he'll see this video, probably not. Uh, but thanks for the memories. And uh, hopefully we see I think he's going to take a trainer's role with the company. Uh, Vince McMahon just signed him to a 15-year deal. So he's going to have some kind of backstage role. He's been working with the big guys, the tall guys, at uh, the WWE Performance Center. So uh, it, basically he's going to retire at 60 years old from wrestling. He's pretty much been retired for few years now uh, coming out once a year to wrestle Wrestlemania but uh, that's all over now too um, and, and it, was, it was great you know all his friends from the, the back street crew uh, came down to the ring to say goodbye to him uh, and then the undertaker the dead man himself came out um floated up to the ring on a platform um, <clears throat> and uh, then at the very end he got down on one knee and you know, he used to always do this thing where he would turn to his manager Paul Bearer and Paul would be holding an urn that contained the ashes of Undertaker's parents and Undertaker would do a number like this towards the urn and uh, they put a hologram of 
Paul Bear up on the apron of the ring so that the Undertaker could you know, do one last homage to his original uh, manager, well, his second manager, technically. His first manager was Brother Love, but that wouldn't have worked. Uh, and they got this actual real-life mortician and uh, by total coincidence and uh, it was Percy Pringle a guy who had been in wrestling for a while and they did him up in makeup to appear zombie-ish as well and Undertaker did one last homage to Percy Pringle in his final homage to the Undertaker character so all in all it was a great uh, little ceremony that they went through the last walk to the ring uh, he gave a little speech he said that he's let a lot of wrestlers rest in peace in that ring and now it's time for him to rest in peace too so uh, very very good thank you Mr. Undertaker for the memories <laughs> and we'll end the podcast on that note so you better get off my back you might get cold cocked <laughs> if you cross my path cause it's a great day for me to whoop somebody's ass <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.